Chapter Fourteen, Part Two of Moral Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Moral Tales by Elizabeth Charlotte Pauline Guizot. Chapter Fourteen, Marie or the Feast of Corpus Christi, Part Two. All these facts were carefully noted by Mademoiselle Raymond nor had she any trouble in becoming acquainted with them for they formed a perpetual subject of conversation between lucie and goton lucie could not reconcile herself to the manners of her cousin besides her arrival at guicheville had afforded her very little amusement for madame d'aubecourt fearful lest she should contract any of marie's bad habits left them but little together lucie too saw much less of her brother than formerly for the moment he had finished his lessons he ran off in search of marie to join him in those sports which were little suited to his sister's disposition so that she sought amusement in discussing the new subjects for blame or astonishment which marie's conduct perpetually supplied goton her confidante spoke of them in her turn to her godmother mademoiselle raymond and mademoiselle raymond discussed them with m he attached but little importance to them so long as they did not decidedly affect himself but after some time when marie had become accustomed to the persons and things about her the circle of her follies widened and at last reached him since she had dared to speak and move at table she seldom spoke without a burst of noise and if she turned round to look at anything it was with so hasty a movement that she upset her plate upon the floor or shook the whole table if she climbed upon an armchair in the drawing-room for the purpose of reaching anything she upset the chair and fell with it breaking one of its arms and with the foot tearing a table-cover which happened to be near it alphonse had frequently warned her not to enter his grandfather's garden but this advice was forgotten as soon as the garden happened to be the shortest way from one place to another or that the shuttlecock had chanced to fall into it or that she wanted to pursue a cat or a butterfly on such occasions m d'aubecourt always found a branch broken off a rose-bush or a border trodden down and mademoiselle raymond whose window looked upon the garden had always seen marie either going in or coming out of it these multiplied vexations tormented m d'aubecourt all the more from his not complaining of them openly but only by indirect allusions as is often the case with the aged sometimes he would say that at his time of life one could seldom hope to be master of his own house and that it was natural that people should trouble themselves very little about the aged or their inconveniences at another time he would assure them that they might do just what they pleased with his garden and that he should not trouble himself any more about it madame d'aubecourt understood all this and was greatly grieved and as she perceived that marie's presence occasioned him a constantly increasing annoyance she kept her away from him as much as possible but the necessity of doing this was very painful to her for she felt that the only means of making anything of marie was by gaining her confidence which could only be done by degrees by seldom quitting her by taking an interest in what amused and pleased her by endeavouring to give her an interest in things with which she was as yet unacquainted by talking to her in order to oblige her to reflect and thus implant some ideas in her mind which was naturally quick enough but totally devoid of culture could she have followed her own wishes she would in the first instance 
have overlooked all faults arising from impetuosity, want of reflection or ignorance, reserving her severity for grave occasions, or rather, without making use of any severity, she might have succeeded in leading Marie by the sole desire of giving her satisfaction. Whereas, instead of that, obliged to be incessantly scolding her for faults slight enough in themselves, but seriously annoying to M. de Bacourt, she had no means of insisting, with particular emphasis, on more important matters. Besides, it happened that, for the first time in his life, M. d'Aubacourt had a violent attack of the gout, and as he was unable to walk, the society of his daughter-in-law had become indispensable to him, and she seldom quitted his room, so that Marie was more than ever left to herself, with no other guardian or preceptor than Alphonse. Nor was he altogether useless to her. Her want of sense rendered him more reasonable. The defects of her education made him appreciate the advantages he had derived from his own. He corrected her whenever she made use of any vulgar expressions. He taught her to speak French, and scolded her if she happened to repeat any word for which she had already been reprimanded, and by his mother's advice he made her repeat the reading lesson which Madame d'Aubecourt gave him every morning. Marie took great pleasure in doing everything required by Alphonse, who was fond of her and liked to be with her, and whose presence never embarrassed her, as he had similar tastes with herself. Therefore, when she had read well, and he perceived she took pains to pronounce the words he had taught her, he would not patiently suffer her to be found fault with, and he was fond of boasting of her dexterity and intelligence in their games, and of the vivacity and at the same time gentleness of her disposition. And in truth, as he observed to his mother, no one had ever seen Marie in a passion, nor had she ever been known to exhibit any impatience at being kept waiting, or any irritability when contradicted. Always ready to oblige, the ball of worsted had no sooner fallen on the floor than she had picked it up, and she was always the first to run and fetch Madame d'Aubecourt's handkerchief from the other end of the room. If, while eating her breakfast, she saw any poor person, she was sure to give him almost the whole of her bread. And one day, when a cat had flown at Zizi and was biting him, Marie, notwithstanding the scratching and anger of the animal, tore him from Zizi's back, where he had already drawn blood, and threw him to a great distance, at the same time becoming angry with Alphonse for the first time in her life, because he laughed at Zizi's predicament, instead of trying to extricate him. Alphonse laughed still more at his cousin's anger, but he related the circumstance to his mother. Lucie, who had also seen what Marie had done, told Gauton of it, and she informed Mademoiselle Raymond. But Mademoiselle Raymond was so much excited against Marie that she would not have been moved by anything that came from her, even had Zizi himself related it to her. However, these various manifestations of Marie's kindness began to increase her cousin's affection for her, the feast of Corpus Christi was drawing near, and Lucie had worked for several days with great industry upon an ornament designed for the altar which was to be erected in the courtyard of the chateau. Marie had watched her working with much pleasure. She had great respect for the ceremonies of the church, and this was about the whole amount of the religious education her nurse had been able to impart to her. Deprived for a long time of the clergy and the mass, the poor woman had regretted them exceedingly, and when the practices of religion were re-established, she experienced great delight, in which Marie shared, though without very well knowing why, for her knowledge did not extend very far. 
but she was always angry when the little boys of the village made use of any irreligious expressions and told them that god would punish them she had learned by heart the prayers in order to sing them at church with the priests and lucie was somewhat embarrassed by this because it attracted attention to them but madame d'aubecourt allowed her to continue the practice as she sung with earnestness and was thereby kept quiet in church she was fond of going to church because her nurse had told her to pray for her and now she thought she was performing a meritorious act in standing by lucie's frame while the latter worked the ornament for the altar and assisting her by cutting her silks threading her needles and handing her the scissors since the day that she made her escape into the fields in order to avoid returning to guicheville she had never been allowed to visit her nurse this favour was denied under pretence of punishing her but in reality because the poor woman was so ill that she no longer seemed conscious of anything madame d'aubecourt had been several times to see her but without being recognised she took care that she wanted nothing that could alleviate her condition but she was anxious to spare marie so sad a scene marie taken up with a crowd of objects only thought of her nurse occasionally and then she manifested great impatience to go and see her she had no idea of her being in danger and flattered herself as she had been led to expect that when she recovered she would come to guicheville the evening before the fete being in the yard she saw a peasant who had come from the village in which her nurse lived she ran to him asked him how her nurse was and whether she would soon be able to come to guicheville oh poor woman said the peasant shaking his head she will go nowhere but to the other world everyone says that she will not be long here marie was struck as with a thunderbolt this idea had never occurred to her pale and trembling she asked the man whether her nurse had got worse and how and when she had become so oh, mademoiselle marie said he ever since you left her she has been declining that is what has brought her to the state she is in he was however wrong in this opinion for during the few conscious moments that she had enjoyed since marie's departure she had greatly rejoiced that her mind was at rest on her account but what the man had said was the rumour of the village marie weeping and sobbing ran to find alphonse for she was afraid to address herself directly to madame d'aubecourt and she entreated him to ask his mother to let her go and see her nurse i will come back she said clasping her hands tell her that i promise to come back the moment Gauton tells me alphonse much moved rose to beg his mother to grant the permission which marie solicited he met his sister who whispered to him that they had just learned that the nurse had died the previous evening the peasant had slept at the town and therefore was not aware of what had happened marie who followed alphonse at some distance saw him stop to speak to lucie and exclaimed oh do not prevent him from asking if i may go to see her i promise you i will return her look was so suppliant and the expression of her sorrow so intense that lucie had great difficulty in restraining her tears while listening to her they made a sign to her to tranquillize herself and hastened to their mother to state her request madame d'aubecourt did not wish to inform her at that moment of her nurse's death for though marie had usually excellent health yet during the last few days she had exhibited on two or three occasions feverish symptoms consequent upon her rapid growth and madame d'aubecourt was afraid that this intelligence might be injurious to her she hastened to marie and endeavoured to calm her promising that in a few days she should do as she wished 
but at the present moment it was impossible as goton lucie and herself were busy in working for the festival of the following day she assured her also that it was quite a mistake to suppose that it was her departure which had made her nurse so ill and at length she succeeded in tranquillizing her a little but for the first time in her life marie experienced a sorrow which fixed itself upon her heart and would not leave it she thought of her poor nurse of the last time she had embraced her of her grief when she saw her depart and then she uttered cries of anguish she prayed to god and several times in the night she woke lucie by repeating in an undertone as she kneeled on her bed all the prayers she knew she thought that the following day being a grand festival it would be the most favourable time to beg of god to restore her nurse to health and as her devotion was not very rational she imagined that to merit this grace the best thing she could do was to contribute to the adornment of the altar which was to be erected in the courtyard of the chateau she therefore rose before it was light and left her room unheard for the purpose of seeking in a particular part of the park for some flowers which she had observed growing there and of which she intended to make some bouquets and garlands but on reaching the spot she perceived to her great grief that a heavy rain which had fallen the evening before had destroyed all the blossoms on the trees she could not find a single branch that was not faded and in the rest of the park there were scarcely any but lofty trees she saw no chance of meeting with anything of which she could make a bouquet whilst looking about however she passed by m d'aubecourt's garden which at daybreak exhaled a delightful perfume she thought that if she were to take a few flowers they would not be missed she began by gathering them cautiously in different places then when she had plucked a very beautiful one another like it was requisite to form a pendant on the other side of the altar thus her zeal and her love of symmetry led her at every moment into fresh temptations and then she remembered that m d'aubecourt had the gout that he could not leave the house and would not see his flowers that they would be of no use to any one and that no one would know what she had done at last she forgot all prudence and the garden was almost entirely stripped just as she had finished her collection she perceived from the terrace the peasant who had spoken to her passing along the road at the bottom of the park she called to him and begged him to tell her nurse not to be too much grieved that she should soon go and see her for they had promised to allow her to do so oh poor woman said the man you will never see her again mademoiselle marie they are deceiving you but that is not my business with these words he struck his horse and galloped off marie in the greatest anxiety threw down her flowers and ran into the yard to see if she could find any one who could explain to her what the man meant she saw the kitchen-maid who was drawing water from the well and asked her whether madame d'aubecourt had sent the previous evening to inquire about her nurse sent indeed said the girl it was not worth while marie became dreadfully uneasy and began to question her but the girl refused to reply but why said marie why did peter tell me i should never see her again i suppose replied the servant he had his own reasons for saying so said she and she went away saying that she must attend to her work marie though it had not yet occurred to her that her nurse was dead nevertheless was very unhappy for she perceived that something was concealed from her and being timid in asking questions she was at a loss to know how to obtain the information she wanted 
at this moment she perceived one of the small doors of the yard open she had so long been in the habit of running alone in the fields that she could not believe there was any great harm in doing so and accustomed to yield to all her emotions and never to reflect upon the consequences of her actions she ran out while the servant's back was turned determined to go herself and learn something about her nurse she walked as fast as she could agitated with anxiety at one moment for her nurse at another for herself she knew she was doing wrong but having once begun she continued she thought of what alphonse would say who though always ready to excuse her before others would nevertheless scold her afterwards and sometimes severely enough and she remembered her promise to him only a few days before to be more docile and more attentive to what madame d'aubecourt said to her she thought too that it might be for her want of due submission that god had thus punished her for she had yet to learn that it is not in this world that god manifests his judgments however she did not think of returning she felt as if she could not go back and then the idea of seeing her nurse again and of comforting her filled her with anticipations of pleasure which it was impossible for her to renounce poor marie the nearer she drew the more she dwelt upon all this and the more lively became her joy the anxieties which had tormented her began to vanish she hurried on reached the village ran to her nurse's door and found it closed she turned pale but yet without daring to conjecture the truth has my nurse gone out was all she could ask of a neighbour who was standing at her door and who looked at her with an air of sadness she has gone out never to return was the reply marie trembled and with clasped hands leaned against the wall she was carried to her grave yesterday evening added the woman to her grave yesterday how where have they taken her to guicheville the cemetery is at guicheville marie experienced an emotion indescribably painful on learning that the evening before and so near to her the funeral had taken place without her knowledge she recollected having heard the tolling of the bells and it appeared to her that not to have known it was for her poor nurse they were told was like losing her a second time then as the thought of never seeing her again passed before her mind she sat down on the ground by the door and wept bitterly during this time the neighbour told her that her nurse had regained her consciousness a few hours before her death and had prayed to god for her little marie and had also spoken of her to the cure of guicheville whom madame d'aubecourt had sent to see her marie wept still more the woman tried to induce her to return to guicheville but she would not listen to it at length after she had cried for a long time the good woman took her to her cottage and succeeded in making her drink a little milk and eat a piece of bread when seeing her more calm she again endeavoured to persuade her to return home but marie who was now capable of reflection could not endure the idea of facing madame de Bacourt, whom she had disobeyed still what was to become of her her sorrow for the loss of her nurse was redoubled if she were not dead said she sobbing i should have remained with her but these regrets were to no purpose this the neighbour tried to make her understand and this marie felt but too well nevertheless as her reason did not restrain her when she was about to leave guicheville neither did it in the present instance induce her to return although she knew it was necessary but marie had never learned to make use of her reason to control either her impulses her wishes or her antipathies 
at length the woman perceiving after two hours of entreaty that she could gain nothing and that marie still continued there either pensive or crying without saying a word or deciding on anything she determined to send to guicheville and inform madame d'aubecourt but when she returned from the fields where she had gone to seek her son to send him with the message marie was not to be found she sought for her in vain through the whole village and at length learned that she had been seen going along a road which led to guicheville she immediately suspected that she must have gone to the cemetery and in fact marie had gone there but not by the direct way for fear of meeting any of the inmates of the chateau as the boy had not yet started his mother ordered him to take the shortest way to the house and tell them that it was in the direction of the cemetery they must look for marie during marie's absence a terrible scene had been enacted at the chateau m d'aubecourt who she imagined would be confined to his room for another week feeling much better wished to take advantage of a lovely morning to go and see his garden as he approached it leaning on the arm of mademoiselle raymond he perceived marie's hat half filled with the flowers which she had collected and part of which lay scattered on the ground where she had dropped them after having spoken to the peasant he recognized his streaked roses and his tricolored geraniums he picked them up anxiously examined them and looked at mademoiselle raymond who shaking her head observed it is mademoiselle marie's hat he hurried on to his garden it seemed as if an enemy had passed through it branches were broken bushes had been separated in order to get out a flower which happened to be in the midst of them and one border was quite spoiled for marie had fallen upon it with her whole length and in her fall had broken a young sweetbriar recently grafted m d'aubecourt whose sole occupation and pleasure consisted in his flowers and who was accustomed to see them respected by every one was so disturbed at the condition in which he beheld his garden that the shock increased perhaps by the effect of the air or by his having walked too fast made him turn pale and lean on the arm of mademoiselle raymond saying that he felt faint greatly frightened she called out for assistance at this moment madame d'aubecourt came up she was calling for marie and very uneasy at not finding her anywhere you want mademoiselle marie said mademoiselle raymond see what she has done and she pointed to m d'aubecourt to the pillaged garden and to the hat filled with flowers madame d'aubecourt did not in the least understand what all this meant but she hastened to her father-in-law who said to her in a feeble voice she will kill me he was carried to his bed where he remained a long time in the same state he experienced suffocating paroxysms which scarcely permitted him to breathe the gout had mounted to his chest and they feared every moment that he would be stifled madame d'aubecourt perceiving that the mere name of marie redoubled his agitation endeavoured though in vain to impose silence on mademoiselle raymond who was incessantly repeating it is mademoiselle marie who has brought him to this condition lucie quite ignorant of what had happened came to tell her mother that marie was nowhere to be found and that perhaps it would be advisable to send some one to the village where her nurse had resided yes look for her everywhere said m d'aubecourt in a low voice interrupted by his difficulty of breathing yes look for her everywhere in order that she may kill me outright madame d'aubecourt entreated him to be calm assuring him that nothing should be done but what he wished and that marie should not come into his presence without his permission 
in the meantime the news of what mademoiselle raymond called marie's wickedness soon spread through the chateau alphonse was thunderstruck not that he believed in any bad motive on the part of his cousin but accustomed to respect his own duties he could not conceive how any one could so forget themselves lucie who was beginning to be fond of marie felt grieved and anxious the servants talked over the matter amongst themselves without much regretting marie who had not made herself loved by them for it is not enough to be kind-hearted it is necessary to use sufficient reflection to render our kindness agreeable and beneficial to others marie sometimes familiar with the servants would very often not listen to them when they spoke to her or would deride their remonstrances she always laughed when she saw the cook who was deformed pass by and she had several times told the kitchen-maid that she squinted she had never asked herself whether these remarks gave pain or pleasure to those to whom they were addressed almost the whole of the morning was passed in anxiety and the man who had been sent to the village had not returned when the curé came to the chateau and requested to see madame d'aubecourt as he was leaving the church after having finished the service he met the son of the neighbour with whom marie had spoken and being acquainted with him he asked him if he knew what had become of marie for he had been informed of her disappearance the peasant told him what had taken place and added that he thought she must be in the cemetery they immediately went there and looking over the hedge they beheld marie seated on the ground crying they saw her kneel down with clasped hands then kiss the earth and afterwards seat herself again and weep with a depth of sorrow which penetrated them to the soul it was evident that at that moment marie believed herself alone in the world and abandoned by every one she entreated her nurse to pray for her they did not enter the cemetery for fear of frightening her but the curé leaving the peasant as sentinel went to communicate his discovery to madame d'aubecourt she was very much embarrassed she could not leave her father-in-law though he was beginning to cover for the slightest agitation might cause a relapse and she was satisfied that neither mademoiselle raymond nor any one belonging to the house would succeed in inducing marie to return she hoped the curé would be able to effect this and as she did not wish her to enter the chateau at the present moment for fear the news might reach m d'aubecourt she requested the clergyman to take her to his house where his sister who had been a nun now resided with him in consequence of this determination the cure returned to the cemetery where he found marie still in the same attitude when she saw him she turned pale and blushed alternately yet however she may have stood in awe of him she felt so completely abandoned since she no longer dared to return to the chateau that she experienced an emotion of joy on seeing some one whom she knew marie what have you done said the cure addressing her with some degree of severity she hid her face in her hands and sobbed do you know what has taken place at the chateau he continued m d'aubecourt has been so overcome by the ingratitude you have evinced in devastating his garden which you knew was his sole delight that he has had a relapse and madame d'aubecourt has passed the whole morning agitated by the anguish occasioned by his condition by her anxiety on account of your flight and by her grief for the impropriety of your conduct oh monsieur le cure exclaimed poor marie it was not from wickedness i assure you i wanted to adorn the altar that god might grant me the grace of curing my poor nurse and she was already there she said pointing to the ground and redoubling her sobs the cure profoundly touched by her simplicity 
seated himself by her side upon a bank of turf and said to her with more gentleness do you think marie that the way to please god and obtain his favours is to distress your uncle who has received you into his family and to disobey madame d'aubecourt who shares with you the little she has reserved for her own children if anything can afflict the souls of the just you have distressed that of your poor nurse who looks down upon you i hope from heaven for she was a worthy woman she regained her consciousness for some hours before her death i visited her at the request of madame d'aubecourt and in speaking of you she said i hope god will not punish me for not having done all that was necessary to restore her sooner to her relations i loved her so much that i had not the resolution to separate myself from her i know very well that a poor woman like me could not give her an education she has often grieved me also because she would not go to school and because i had not the heart to oppose her oh monsieur le cure entreat her for my sake to learn well and to be obedient to madame d'aubecourt in order that i may not have to answer before god for her ignorance and her faults marie still continued weeping but less bitterly she had again knelt down and clasped her hands it seemed as if she was listening to her nurse herself and entreating her forgiveness for the grief she had caused her after the cure had admonished her for some time longer she said to him in a low voice, "'Monsieur le curé, I entreat of you to ask forgiveness for me of Madame d'Aubecourt. Beg Alphonse and Lucie to forgive me. Say that I will do all they tell me, and learn all they wish.' "'I do not know, my child,' said the curé, "'whether you will again be permitted to see them. Monsieur d'Aubecourt is so extremely angry with you that your mere name redoubles his sufferings, and I am afraid you cannot return to the chateau.' End of chapter 14, part 2